Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishanda Shines. Well, welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. We have finally gotten through to the end of our team's segment. We've talked about being on a coach team, being on a community team, being on a club versus coached team. We've talked about an all-women's team. And now we get to talk about a branded team. This particular branded team is one of the largest in the country with over 3,000 members. They are the oldest branded team formed in 2008, initially for elite age groupers, but then expanded to all age groupers. The brand itself is celebrating 40 years this year. This particular team is comprised of everyone from beginners to seasoned Kona qualifiers. This particular team is united by athletes supporting each other and the joy in our sport. They have grown from that small team to a very large team where they have over 13 regions. 13, that's a lot. But their number one goal is to create a community around triathlon. And today from that team, we have Jess Palaka, Ashley Anderson, and Melissa Hopkins. We have Team Zoot in the building. Welcome to Try Beginners Luck, Team Zoot. How y'all doing? Good. How are you? I am good. I'm great. Now, this particular team, I did not say this, but they represent the Mid-Atlantic region. And we have two captains from the Mid-Atlantic region that's representing in two different states. Now, Melissa, you're in the Southern region, right? In South Carolina? So South Carolina is actually part of Mid-Atlantic as well. So Ashley is the overall head of Mid-Atlantic. And then we also have state representatives as well. So, See, y'all so big. I couldn't get it all (laughs) too much. I knew you were somewhere. And I'm thinking South Carolina because I'm from Georgia. It's Southern. Mm -hmm. But you know, those little details. It's okay. (laughs) But Ashley is the the overall uh, lead. I love it. I love it. We have about... 598 or so athletes in our region. Um, and the Mid-Atlantic is composed of Virginia, um, the Carolinas, Tennessee, Delaware, Maryland, DC, and West Virginia. Am I forgetting anyone, guys? I think that's everybody. <laughs> I lose track. <laughs> ah, because Georgia is included in the Southeast yeah. with Alabama, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Louisiana, and Florida. Yep. Okay. Okay. I would have never thought that South Carolina would have been mid-Atlantic, but you know, to each his own and however they cut the pies, their positions, not mine, but I'm just saying (laughs) South Carolina, don't worry about me team suit. Don't please love me. Please love me. Okay. Well, I think it's important. I was asked not too long ago about, you know, ways that you can save money. And one of those ways is being on a team that's branded because from a branded apparel brand, because you can save money on the kits. And we all know that kits are, that's the one item you have to have in order to participate in sport. Like you can't 
you could slide by with just a swimsuit and figure out some shorts, but then your butt might have some issues, right? Like, so it's always <laughs> good. <laughs> I was trying not to laugh through that, but it's always good once you get in, because at the beginner's level, you may not have the resources to get a kit and you may not even know what a kit, and you may not know what a kit is because you, you're just getting started. And so what I would like to do is tell, I would like for you to tell us a little bit about Team Zoot and Team Zoot from a branded position, um, because you can't not help but see Team Zoot everywhere. And no matter where you are in any race, Team Zoot is there. So anyone who wants to take that can go ahead and jump in. I'll take a stab at it. Um, so the the brand Zoot um, started in 1983. Um, there was a woman on the island of Kona who wanted to help come up with an idea to make a suit that was efficient for triathletes. And so she um, made the first uh, like one piece suit. Um, and then that's how the brand kind of started on the island of Kona. Um, and then of course moved to California first to San Francisco, um, and then to Southern California. Um, and so obviously has grown since then, um, to more than just kits. We offer two piece kits, swimsuits, um, you know, athleisure wear, of course, like individual event gear as well. Um, and of course the team itself has then, uh, partnered with lots of other different, um, brands uh, and companies within the triathlon community to not only um, bring our community closer together in terms of uh, different companies, but also provide resources for the athletes on the team. So one of the, the perks, in addition, and most importantly, uh, you know, to being on the team, which is the family that we provide, um, of course, are those discounts uh, that we receive. And so we get a certain percentage off of uh, Zoot apparel items and then our yearly um, list of partners as well, we get a certain um, discount uh, with those those different partners. So like, for instance, this year we have Head Wheels, um, we have Rudy Project, we've got, you know, a couple other really great sponsors. Um, and so it, it has certainly evolved from the one kit on the island of Hawaii to now, you know, encompassing these great partners and, and this great brand, but more importantly, you know, the family that we represent too. That's legit. That is mm -hmm. legit. And I love the fact that Zoot was created by a woman. Hmm. And, oh, you know you. what? So, you know, the discounts are great as, as well as, you know, you, you mentioned individuals just starting out and how expensive it can be and, and having, you know, being able to, to grab that kit right away. So one of the, you know, not only the discounts great, but when you join the team, you're immediately probably overwhelmed by the <laughs> of uh, emails and newsletters and Facebook pages and Instagram pages and Zwift groups. So it's absolutely the, the kit and finding the right fit. But if you don't know which one of those things you want up front, having, you know, mentors who have been there, done that, that you can just ask the dumb questions to in a, in a safe environment, absolutely huge. So discounts. Yeah, that is a huge part of it because discounts can be upward to 40% in some instances. And not only just with the brands, but Zoot partners, as Ashley said, with other brands. So it gives you a total experience in terms of being able to try things out 
out to see if you like it. Because what I'm learning is that there are so many brands that pop up yearly in triathlon. And there are sometimes a play on each other and very different, slightly different. You know, you have nutrition's companies that come up. So having to test all that out to figure out what's what can be expensive. Mm-hmm. And I love that when you're on a team like Zoo, it takes the guesswork out of it because you instantly have people who you can talk to, not only about the brands that are represented and who the company has partnered with, but also about other brands that people may use that may not be included. And so you get to have a really good, I think, overall idea of various brands, things that have worked that are tried and true and things that mm, you shouldn't touch that with a 12 inch stick, like don't do it. Uh, Save yourself some money because it can get expensive trying out these things. What is one of the things that you have enjoyed about being on a brand team like Zoot? I think one of the things I've I've really enjoyed the most is just being able to build like a sense of community um, and knowing that I can go to a race and I'm going to automatically find someone like, oh, okay, there's another, there's another team theater. It automatically like puts me at ease. Um, I get particularly nervous before races. Jess can attest to that. I've texted her at like four o'clock in the morning on Instagram. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but um, it gives you, and there's an instant community, an instant bond when you see someone on the team in person. And then also in my case, I live in an area that doesn't have a lot of triathlon activities around here. There's no real team. I mean, we don't really have any teams. I live in an area where we have a lot of vacationers come in, but I don't have any um, teammates to really train with. So a lot of these folks that are online are my training partners. And I wouldn't have that if I didn't have this kind of community and team. That's just my opinion. I want to, before we go on to anyone else, Melissa, so if you don't live in an area where you have a lot of people to train with, how do you partner with the team Zooters to train? Do you go to their county, their cities, and you guys just meet on the weekends. What is that like for you? Because I'm sure there's other people who may live in areas that aren't populated with triathletes, right? So can you talk about that a little bit? Well, we do get the chance to do some team meetup. Um, and that's something that we like um, for instance, I'm one of the South Carolina state representatives. So we always try to do a meetup at the beginning of the year where we all kind of get to run together. And um, if I'm ever in like, let's say Greenville, I have a group I can reach out to and we try to go run together. We go to ride together. But a lot of the training I do with everyone else is virtually. We have a Zwift program that we do and we try to do rides um, during the winter time on Saturday mornings just to kind of keep us motivated through the year, keep us chatting with each other. Um, sometimes I'll do discord video calls on the treadmill with people just to kind of keep, I know it's, it looks terrible, but it's fun. Um, But just to kind of keep us motivated. Um, And that's the way I try to train with people just because it's, you know, I can go out within the state or to meet with people, but that's a four hour drive to kind of go on a run. So a lot of it is virtually. So when I um, took the reins as captain three years ago, our region um, obviously being very large with that many people, Um, but also having a lot of areas within the region that are great for meeting up and training. I mean, we have Charlotte, we have uh, areas of South Carolina, we have Hampton Roads, where I am in Norfolk, Virginia Beach, and of course, the Maryland, D.C. area. Um, My goal was to bring some organization to the region to allow for these meetups and to connect beginners and Kona qualifiers and just make the big region a lot smaller. And so we came up with the idea of having state reps. So each state has 
anywhere from two to three, sometimes four um, elected um, representatives that serve as boots on the ground, just like Melissa said, to have an instant connection at a race or to have some sort of social or meetup when we're not racing so that people can feel included no matter you know where they are in their resources, their ability, their um, training status, if they're racing or not racing, if they do Ironman or local sprints, that everyone feels equal, that everyone feels supported, and that Again, they can ask the questions or make those physical connections with people for training or racing or whatever, um, or dealing with injury or dealing with things outside of triathlon too. I think sometimes we forget that all of us don't get paid to do this. Um, and we do have lives and occupations and families and struggles outside of the sport. And so the purpose of these state reps was to help bring this region together and to facilitate a lot of the things that uh, Melissa uh, mentioned. Did you want to add anything no, I, I think I think what they shared is great. I'm I'm one of the state reps for Maryland. Um, I live in a rather rural area, um, so you know Maryland looks like a small state. It's pretty geographically dispersed. So trying to to get individuals together, even in a state where we do have quite a few, you know, individuals, yeah. we have pockets. Um, so, you know, we have the, the Zwift rides, we have the Discord, we also Strava is a huge tool just to track, hey, I didn't see you work out the past week, what's going on? Are you okay? Reaching out, making sure everyone's doing okay physically, mentally. So definitely the, the technology is a, is a huge part of it. Um, and to your, you know, to your point earlier about all the, the partners that we have, using a lot of the different partner support, um, Garmin being one of them, Garmin Connect, we do challenges through Garmin Connect. So Anyone that's using that tool every month, we have a biking, a running, a cycling challenge with just Team Zoot Mid-Atlantic members um, where you can, you know, track how track your stats among everybody else. And we're all competing on that leaderboard, you know, every which way that we can to keep people engaged, but trying to ensure from the least tech savvy to the most tech savvy that we have everyone included. Um, another cool thing is while we're the Mid-Atlantic uh, organization, you know, there are, as Ashley said, 13 of those different regions. So, you know, I travel a lot for work. If I'm going somewhere else, I'll contact that region's captain and go, hey, what do you guys have planned this weekend? I'll go run with you all. Um, so it's great to be able to know that anywhere you are in the country, you can reach out to a captain and they'll get you in touch with a run group, a bike group, a, a swim. They'll tell you what pools use. It's, it's really helpful. That is probably a huge benefit for so many people who are traveling for their jobs and going to places where they may not know anyone and just want to kind of scoot in, I should say zoot in, get a little uh, workout in and have a good place to do it because there's so many places throughout the United States that are very rural to, you know, like to Melissa's point and then to yours, just geographically, you know, displaced. And so there, it can be hard finding good places to get in, to get a maximum workout when you have minimum time. And I never thought about that, but that is such a huge benefit, especially if you're one of those people who love to work out with other people, even though triathlon is a very individual sport, it does make it better when you get to train with friends or with your teammates. It makes a huge difference. One of the things that you said, Ashley, that I want to go back to is when you're struggling, and life happens. I don't think we put enough emphasis on real life in the tri space and how sometimes we experience setbacks at various levels or injuries at various levels. And it can really have an impact on your mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health, like everything. I think about 
myself and how I just have come out of a season of, I felt like I was just existing, you know, but it affected my triathlon life because even though I was training, I wasn't excelling in that training. It was just doing it in some instances to numb the pain, to get through it. And I actually reverted into a shell instead of leaning on teammates as support. And I own that. I 100% own that. What are some of the things, or if you all have experiences, challenges, life issues, because life be life in, what are some things that you all do to try to encourage people to not do what I did? Not saying that it's wrong. Everyone has to process things to the best of their ability. I went inward, even though I'm a very outward person, but what are some ways that you guys have helped people as a team support them through tough seasons in life? I'll take a stab um, at that one. So Last year, um, I was diagnosed with autoimmune disease. Um, That's kind of similar to Crohn's disease. It's called ulcerative colitis. I have otherwise been an extremely healthy, health health conscious individual. And, And, you know, minus a few broken bones when I was little, like never really had, you know, um, a major setback other than, you know, just musculoskeletal injuries through training. And this, um, diagnosis was very, despite being in the medical field, um, was just kind of blew me away. And I, the particular, um, form of the disease that I had was extremely severe and aggressive and, you know, did not respond to treatment initially. And, um, my doctor, uh, now in remission, which is great, but, um, when I was first diagnosed was talking surgery, was talking, giving up triathlon. Um, and in a similar vein to your point, I clung to racing because it was the only thing that felt normal to me. And I proceeded to still race and to push my body when it clearly needed to rest. Um, but, and I had some of the worst, um, from a performance standpoint races that I've ever had, but Last year, I wouldn't, and looking back on it and and having a very strong season this year, I wouldn't trade the support that I got from our team uh, in those moments of struggle. Um, And we're talking like walking the entire marathon uh, of numerous Ironman races, um, you know, finishing barely within the cutoff at uh, Worlds in St. George and, uh, you know, contemplating not finishing races, which has never crossed my mind. Um, But I wouldn't trade those moments now for anything because those moments highlighted the power of my teammates. Um, I had numerous teammates reach out who I had no idea, but had the same diagnosis. And they shared um, insight on what worked from them in terms of not only training and nutrition and managing triathlon training and this condition at the same time, um, but also just, you know, encouragement from a, hey, maybe you should rest. Maybe you should, you know, not necessarily take a step back, but, you know, when your body is healthy again, consider, you know, taking these measures to ensure that, you know, your disease doesn't flare up again. And so I'm really thankful for, and, and it was very emotional last year to see people who you perceive as being, you know, uh, limitless and, uh, super duper strong come out of the woodwork and say, Hey, I've struggled with these things too. And so I think there have been numerous posts, 
um, within our Facebook groups or things that have circled back to me as captain where Zooters have shared very vulnerable pieces of their either personal life or a medical history or different struggles or insecurities that they have. And they feel safe to share those vulnerabilities, but then they have a flood of, of responses beyond social media or personal texts and phone calls um, or, you know, even our headquarters folks, because it's a very small company, um, despite our large team size, reach out and offer resources. We had a teammate that was hit by a deer um, shortly after qualifying for um, Finland World Championships. He's an incredible athlete, won his age group at Eagle Man in, in Maryland, and about a week later was hit by a deer, um, had numerous surgeries, um, was in ICU. And um, we all kind of rallied together within the region to send him a care package and check on him. And um, so it's just things like that where we support each other, like both, both within the sport and then with When Life Be Life and uh, outside of it too. <laughs> yeah. Melissa? Oh, I was just going to say kind of in the theme, right? I, the, um, I've been on the team for about five years. And within that time, I've just been able to really build like a really core group of amazing friends because of it. And um, unfortunately I suffer from severe anxiety. Why am I crying? And uh, depression. And this past couple of years has been like really tough just for like injuries. And it's gotten to the point where like racing isn't even fun anymore. I wouldn't sign up for anything. And it's um, been really nice to have a group of people that will check in on me, push me to sign up for races, you know, even meet me at races <laughs> just to make sure that I'm like, okay. So it's like without those people, without that kind of group that I've been able to kind of connect with, like I probably still wouldn't be doing the sport. And honestly, I don't know how it would be mentally as well. So that's just me. <laughs> Melissa. Sorry. I'm laughing to keep from crying, right? Because <laughs> I I feel so much and I I I I felt that, I hear that. And to be 100% vulnerable with you, that is where I have been this year, where I was like I need to find the joy again. Yeah. And it's like you're in your own bubble of dealing with depression, injury, um trauma, grief, I'm adding some of my stuff to yours, but it's not just all you, but I'm just, just putting it out there, right? Because somebody else may be experiencing with these things and you're in this place of like, and everyone else around you is having fun and they are training and they are doing the thing. And you're like, but damn, what about me? Yeah. Sorry, I don't usually use language <laughs> like that, but I just feel like it's right in the moment. Like, what about me? Why can't I get it together? And you are seen and heard by not just me, but many of athletes who've been there, who will get there at some point because life is that. It's cyclical and we go through highs and lows and to be supported by community is everything. And so I just want to say that I see you. I empathize and sympathize with you. And yeah, I I resonate with you and I hear you. And I just wanted to affirm you in this moment because too many times people are struggling and are not honest with their feelings and they're going out and still pushing the limits and really doing the opposite impact to what Ashley said you're when you need to rest you're pushing yourself and I am very guilty of it I did I am guilty and so 
I hear you. I see you. And I just want to encourage anyone out there who's listening. If you are experiencing anything, depression, injury, that's causing you depression, grief, reach out to someone. If you're not on a team, slide into my DMs. I will encourage you because I know how it is. And sometimes if you're also like me and just want to work it out internally, but you are a verbal processor and you need to talk, let's talk it out because it's not worth it for us to suffer in silence. And I am guilty. I am not saying that I am omit to any of these. I went anywhere and didn't lean on any support because I couldn't, I didn't know how to, but I'm in a very extroverted role. I'm also an announcer, but I could do those things because that's all I can do is just, I can do that and I could do it. I probably, I don't know if I was doing it well or not in that moment, but I get, I get it. I pulled back and canceled all my races this year when I came back from a vacation in Wyoming because I hadn't realized that I had not rested in over 10 years of just doing nothing. And I said, you need to, you need to rest. A friend of mine sent me this quote today. Rest doesn't mean quitting. It's a strategic pause for a confident comeback. I have to write that down. <laughs> I will say that again, because I felt like I should say it again. Rest doesn't mean quitting. It's a, a strategic pause for a confident come back. I believe and know that to be true because let me tell you something. I am coming back. And many people, even on this podcast has not, they haven't gotten the full Mashonda. They just haven't. I started this podcast in 2021 at the height of grief in my life, but I knew I needed to do something different. And I had a smaller team. So you guys have a really big team suit. I had a smaller team of people to coach me through. Anyway, this is about me. Huh. I just had, I had a resonating moment and felt like I should share. And Ashley, I just appreciate what you said about just resting. And this is what team is all about. This right here, even though, yes, this is, I feel like I'm instantly a part of your team just in this moment. So yeah, Jessica. Yeah, Michelle, I think that, you know, when you get to that point where you, you know, you say, okay, this is part of my comeback. I'm ready to come back. So much of us do see that we see that technology side of things where we see our friends out doing these big badass training sessions, right? And it's so easy to get in the mindset of, I can't do that, so you do nothing. It is so important to remember every minute of exercise, that minute counts. It does not have to be 10 miles in that first day. It can be 10 feet and you did 10 feet more than you did the day before. But it's so easy to get wrapped up in the I'm less than, you know, I'm not as good as, I'm not as fast, I'm not as, not as. And, and it's so unfair. It's so un that that first day back is one of the most critical to making sure you keep going back and, and doing it with sense of reality and doing it with friends and doing it with a team, you know, and having that support, you know, Melissa talked earlier about, you know, she and I talked before races, she's helped me, I've helped her. Ashley's the same way, Ashley in Finland, you know, grab my hand before the start. I'm taking pictures of her going to the start line. If I didn't have those people, I wouldn't make that walk to the start much less than, you know, race that race. Because it's so easy to get wrapped up in, I'm not as good as them, I'm not as fast as them, I'm not as. Um, but, you know, when you're ready to start that comeback, the first minute, the first 30 seconds, the first 10 feet are just as important as the 20 mile train run someone else did that day. You know, and it's so easy to forget that. And then you just, you never do it, right? Like, why well, could, I could run a, a marathon. Why am I going to go do a 5k? You know, it's not worth getting, you know, it's so easy to get that in your brain. I never looked at it as the not as, not as good. How many times 
have so many of us said, well, I'm not as good as those who run that six minute mile or even 10 minute mile. And I think we are as good as we are. And that's enough. Sorry. It's y'all, what's happening? Y'all got me going into a whole different, like, I'm thinking we're talking about teams and being on this branded team and we're like getting deep quickly. And I'm like, you're getting all the feels inside. And so I'm trying to like put myself on pause on mute and take deep breaths. Cause I'm like, okay, okay. I got this man. But that's what team is about. I think we have to be able to celebrate not only in our successes together, but also be able to pull each other from the bootstraps when we're at our lowest. And um, I always leave room for conversations to flow as they're supposed to. I never have questions planned because I believe in authentic conversations. And I believe that's when you get the most out of yourself and others when asking. I mean, yeah, there are certain standard things that I do ask. I want to know your story, but then it's the follow-ups. And I think this moment, this segment piece right here, to me is an important one because we don't talk about the mental aspects of triathlon. And oftentimes that part, that part is often scraped under the mat and we skirt over it or run over it or bike over it or swim over it. And we don't drill into it. We talk about how this sport is mental. Like you got to have the mental fortitude to get through a race but not the mental fortitude that it takes to get through the life part and the part where we're not, endorphins aren't operating at a high level. And so I want to say I appreciate the candor and the vulnerability, and I hope that this is helping someone. Now, everybody's good. Let's take a deep breath together. Hold it in for three or four seconds, and now release. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I just, I feel like we should just, this is good what is happening to me. All right. This is good. This is good. All right. So let's talk about your first time stories. Let's transition a little bit. You know, we're good at transition uh, as triathletes. And so um, I want to start with Jessica because Jessica, you have been around sport for a very, very long time. And so I would love to just hear about your story into sport, actually. If you could share, like, I know a little bit about it, but I can't tell your story as good as you can. So tell us a little bit about your story. And um, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. So I grew up around triathlon. My father was a triathlete in the 80s and 90s. Um, you know, we grew up every, you know, every year on a Saturday, we spent a Saturday on the couch watching the Ironman coverage. And, and that was a bonding thing for us. I grew up on a bucket upside down in transition, studying for finals and watching for my dad to come in. And, um, you know, I saw the dirty side of the sport. I grew up in, you know, um, hospital rooms, you know, people getting hit on bikes. Like I saw all sides of it. Right. Um, my dad started getting me into running races when I think I was like somewhere between like six and eight years old. I lived in new Orleans at the time. And my first road race was running across the GNO bridge. Um, I think I was probably in like first grade. It was a 10 K like I had no business running a 10 K at six. Um, kept going, kept running, um, joined swim teams, got to high school, did cross country and indoor and outdoor track and played volleyball and soccer. And I ended up playing college lacrosse. Um, and I kept running. I ran my first marathon when I was 18, uh, Marine Corps. I think I've done seven or eight of those now. Um, and then I did my first triathlon that took some time to your, you know, very earlier point about the cost of the sport. 
You know, I was a single mom of three, working a couple jobs, just trying to sustain life there, much less get into a sport like triathlon. But once they got a little bit older and, you know, I, I found myself in a more comfortable position, I got a bike, I, I started, you know, working out and I did my, my very first triathlon was Ironman Raleigh, which is a 70.3. It was, it's now defunct. <laughs> it's no more. Um, and I'll never forget getting in the water. I had no business being there either. Getting in the water and kind of standing up. We were in a lake and I'm looking around going, what am I doing here? Like I wasn't maybe 10 feet off the shore. I, you know, and a friend of mine was in a wave back and all of a sudden I feel a smack to the back of my head and I'm looking and I mean, I was out of it. Right. I'm just, just anxiety, stress. And I remember her going, what are you doing? And I just looked at her, you know, panicked. She goes, put your head down, swim. And I was like, oh, <laughs> got it. Got it. And, you know, and I finished and I was probably one of the last finishers, but I finished. And ironically, that's not the last time that has happened to me on a swim. Um, Ironman Florida last year, huge waves, wasn't ready for it. Three to four foot swells. I picked my head up and my friend came swimming by me and goes, what are you doing? And I just panicked. She goes, swim. <laughs> so I would love to say that that was a one-time thing, but it's not. Um, so I've now done what, four, four full Ironmans, um, probably nine, 10 halves, 30 some marathons, 50 Ks, 50 milers. Um, yeah, once once you start, you know, it's it's, you know, to your point about the mental part of it, it's a great feeling. There are so many endorphins. There's there's you know, there's so much love on this team that I I go just as much to see them as I do to race. And I, I go just as much to to see my friends and and to see their smiles and to see their successes just as much as mine. So Jessica, I, I don't know if I missed this part in your story, and I just want you to clarify for a moment. Sure. Was your first race ever Raleigh 70.3? Did I get mm -hmm. that correct? You did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what, what, how, how did that come about? Like, I'm interested, like, because you didn't start with a sprint and you um, didn't start with an Olympic and that's okay. But like, how did you train for that? Like, how did you know that you wanted to just jump in at a 70.3 level? So, so part of it was um, just naivety, you know, and just really not knowing. Um, part of it was, I only knew Ironman in triathlon. You know, I grew up watching Kona. And so to me, you know, a triathlon was an Ironman. So, you know, even just doing a half, I was like, well, I don't even know what I'm doing. Um, I had been an ultra runner. I, you know, was very trained for that part of it. So to me, it, it, it didn't seem out of place not to jump in at that point. Um, <laughs> looking back, not the greatest move. <laughs> Not a great move. I had no idea. You know, I, I didn't realize there were race cutoffs. I didn't know. I had no, like, I, I'm almost, I'm glad I didn't know <laughs> what I didn't know. But yeah, now it's comical, but I don't recommend it. <laughs> and another part, I don't think I, I wanted to make sure, like, I'm just trying to listen to the details. Have you ever done a sprint or an Olympic? Because it looks like you're just an endurance, from what you've said, it looks like, or it sounds like you are an endurance long distance athlete, but have you done shorter distances? I have not nearly as many, but I definitely have. I, I like starting the season at a sprint and going to an Olympic soon after. And then a 70.3 almost is like, um, test in the water now to, before I get to those points. Um, I've switched things up a little bit, which makes it hard to do. And that I've been signing up for spring full Ironmans, which forces me to train over the winter. Um, and that's definitely a tactic because otherwise I would do nothing. So um, so I don't have the opportunity as much to do them. I have done them. 
I enjoy them. Um, I, I, I love the newbie atmosphere of sprints and Olympics. I love the people who walk up to you and they're, you know, can't figure out how to get their wetsuit on, or, you know, they're about to get in the water. You're like, your wetsuit's on backwards. Or, you know, those kinds of things that like, you know, do you want help? I, you know, I'll give you help if you want it. You didn't ask for it, you know, but you're just, you're there ready to, to bring someone into the fold. The number of people that we recruit for Zoot at those events, huge, you know, cause they, they, they see the kits and they're like, well, what are you a part of? I want to be a part of it. Um, so that, that part's great. I, I do absolutely do them. I love them. I think they're just for me, way, way more chill, but to see the newbies who are so stressed and it's their first time. I love that feeling. I love of watching people for the first time do that. It's so exciting. You and me both, Jess. I absolutely love a newbie and I can spot a newbie anywhere <laughs> this day. Like, cause those are my people. I'm like, are you new? How I'm that person. But I love that uh, for you. And it just goes back to your upbringing, doing a 10K at six, like six years old, running 6.2 miles. <laughs> That's nothing. X, Y years old, doing a 70.3 as a first triathlon. <laughs> That's nothing. So I appreciate that. And to your point, Jess, so many people think that Ironman World Championships, that's in Kona, is that's a triathlon. And if they do a sprint or an Olympic, they don't consider it a triathlon. I just, I constantly say and want to dispel that myth because you can do a super sprint and be considered a triathlete. You know, you can do a sprint, you can do an Olympic, a half. You don't always have to do a full distance to be considered an, a triathlete. I think brands do a good job at branding their races. And that is the draw. Like that, they're doing their job. They're marketing. The draw is to get you to do the races. And so in that instance, they're doing their job. And so just know that if you want to do a race, you can do a duathlon and be a multi-sport athlete, a duathlete. Like there's so many points of entry to get into sport. Just wanted to put that out there. But the goal and the pinnacle, yeah, it is to do a full distance race, no matter who the brand is. It's an opportunity to do, to test the limits and to push the limits. And why wouldn't you want to try that? So kudos to everybody who wants to try, and you should want to as a an athlete to go to the pinnacle and try it at least once. All right, Melissa, tell us a little bit about your story to try and give us a little bit about your first triathlon. Um, so I grew up as a swimmer starting at six years old, swam until I was 18. Um, once, and I was a long distance swimmer back then during junior school. And, um, once I got into college, I kind of just stopped doing sport. <laughs> uh, I think I was just so busy with studies and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I ended up becoming a teacher in the Philadelphia area for a while and um, we moved down to South Carolina in 2008. And at that point, um, just from not doing sport, I had gotten to probably my heaviest weight closest to about 330 pounds approximately. And um, so I just, after a while, I was like, I need to do something. So I just started walking and then walking turned into running and I started to lose weight. And so I really started to get into sport when I, um, jokingly put my my name in for an entry for the New York City Marathon, not expecting to get it whatsoever. Because I was like, what are the chances? You know, there's like 40,000 people that are like, you know, that enter for it. And uh, I found out I got into it when we were in um, Las Vegas for a photography convention. And our hotel was right across the street from New York, New York. And so all of a sudden, I'm like, why do I have like a $250 credit card charge from like New York? I'm like, did we go out last night and like get drunk across the street? Like, what happened? I'm like, oh, 
no, I'm doing a marathon. Cool. I guess I have to train for that. And that really just kind of set me into a real training path. Once I did New York City Marathon, um, I wanted a new challenge. So uh, at the age of 36, I learned how to ride a bike for the very first time <laughs> and did an Olympic two months later. And that was my first race was down in Naples, Florida. I uh, hopped off the bike and proceeded to run about two miles with my helmet still on, which was a great look because <laughs> I forgot to take it off. And uh, from there, I just kind of got hooked. And I like to do, you know, sprints, Olympics, halves. I'm still chasing the elusive uh, full distance Ironman. My back, unfortunately, doesn't allow me to finish it. But in addition to that, I really am also doing just single sport activities. I love just doing swimming events. And I love just doing running races, too. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I just kind of keep doing it just to keep my mind busy, keep my body busy. and I just enjoy it. So well, this group definitely doesn't just enter anything. They go big. It's like go big <laughs> or go home. Like just enter a New York City marathon for my first big race. And I love that, right? Like it gets you on a path. It gives you a target. It's a single entryway into a bigger, greater distance. You already had swimming as your background. Mm -hmm. And so the natural progression is biking. And to learn how to bike as an adult, I can only imagine your kneecaps and what your kneecaps might look like, but you know, here I we are. tell you how many, how many fences I accidentally like rode into because I was like afraid to like hit the brakes and oh my gosh, I fell so many times. I, the poor urgent care people were like, really? Again, maybe you should like hold off on that. Like think of something else to do. No, let's just keep going. So let's keep going because whenever you try beginners, like we have the saying here, you always win and there's always something to learn at each level. And so I appreciate your helmet head comment. We had a guest on our first season. Her name was Tisa Holly. She did her first one and uh, she literally ran with her helmet on the whole time. And so helmet heads united. Come <laughs> on helmet heads. I love it. Um, and kudos to you, you know, starting at walking and then building. We all have a start somewhere. And so I just admire your story, um, especially the helmet head. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I love that. Because that's classic beginner, right? It's it classic is. beginner. And I'm wondering, it. like, why are people looking at me? I must be like running really well. I'm like, no, like helmet. Yeah. So, so amazing. Now, Ashley, come on. We're, we, we are two for two with the go big stories. <sighs> You know the drill. Tell us your story and your first time uh, bit. Yeah, um, I grew up playing ball sports. So basketball, soccer, um, I rode horses competitively. Um, just, I mean, my, my brother, I'm one of three kids and both my siblings were into sports. We were a very active family. Um, my dad coached our little, you know, YMCA teams and stuff like that. So always been very active. Um, I had never really considered myself gifted. I just out hustled. I came early. I stayed late. I always managed to get like most improved on any team that I was on. Um, but I always worked hard. And when I, uh, went to college, I obviously wasn't there to play sports. Um, so I got into running just five K's and stuff like that that to stay active. Um, and then that grew when I got to dental school. 
um, in Richmond, the Richmond marathon and half marathon was like right where I was living at the time. And I had an attending in dental school who was a runner and he challenged me to do, um, one of the races up there. And so I started to slide very slowly down the distance running slope. Um, realized I actually enjoyed it. And um, then when I matched my residency program uh, in South Carolina, I wanted to continue that, you know, just staying active and finding community. Um, so I am a pediatric dentist. So during my residency, um, I was the only resident not married with kids. And so while my co-residents were great, I, there were things that just we didn't have in common. So being a very warm, fuzzy, open, like need to find my people person, I immediately sought like the endurance community there, which was extremely prevalent. Um, and this foreign thing called triathlon uh, was extremely prevalent uh, down in South Carolina. And so I remember walking into the local triathlon shop, Blue Sky Endurance, and I was like, well, I know I can run. Uh, I don't drown when I swim, uh, and I, you know, don't really know about this whole clip-in thing, but, like, let's give it a shot. And so I found, like, a used eight-speed road bike, came out of the shop with a couple pieces of spandex, and then I had a friend of mine um, from college that I knew was, like, a very competitive Ironman, and I texted or emailed him. I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I have a ton of triathlon or you know, an accumulating pile of triathlon gear. And I really want to get into this sport to, you know, just stay active, find an outlet and, and find my family down here. And so he agreed to, to, to help me out. And so South Carolina and Charleston, they had a really good local sprint series. Um, uh, the James Island County Park race, uh, James, or the Sprint Tri series down there. It's a five race uh, series every summer. You swim in their dog pond. So great. Um, you run around the park, and of course, you bike, you know, in and out of the park too. So, uh, you know, and you're in South Carolina too, so you're kind of worried about gators and other things. But anyway, it was it was full of new. The energy, it was full of seasoned energy. Sorry, I have a cat who really wants to join in on the podcast right now, if you haven't noticed. And so I did my first sprint down there. Um, I ended up running the wrong direction on the run. Um, I ran longer and farther than the other athletes. Um, but of course, being a very uh, attentive rule follower and also having that newbie anxiety, I, fin I crossed the finish line and I immediately ran to the race director in a panic, like, oh my God, I feel like I need to tell him myself. I completely ran the wrong direction. Um, I don't think anybody saw it, but I would feel much better if I told you about it. And I ran longer, um, but you know, here I am, uh, what do I do? And she was like, well, you placed second for your age group, but unfortunately, because you uh, quote ran off course, you have to, or we have to disqualify you. So I was DQ'd from my first race. Um, and then of course my second race, I came back with complete vengeance at this local sprint series race um, to not run the wrong direction. And that race, I actually wrecked my bike. Um, I was going around a turn and 
newbie energy took the turn too fast, wiped out, was more concerned about ripping my kit and my bike than I was about my bleeding injuries. I hopped back on the bike. The bike was stuck in the same gear, the remainder of the bike. And I finished the race uh, and it ended up placing. I had a bunch of injuries that I had to come back from, but uh, those were my, my first war stories uh, from my first races. I've since transitioned. I love doing the short distance stuff um, to kind of echo what Jess and, and what everyone else has already said. Um, that energy that now being able to give comfort to the, the, the anxiety that I definitely had as a newbie triathlete. Um, but once I moved back to Virginia, where I'm from, I transitioned to doing more of the long course racing. Um, so I've done just finished my fifth full. Um, I've done eight or nine halves, um, gone to 70.3 worlds, uh, went to full distance worlds in St. George, um, kicked my booty and then just got my ticket to Nice, um, this past weekend in Arizona. Um, so you know, those are all great things and, and going fast and, and going to worlds and, and podiums and all that stuff. That's, that's cool. Um, but what this sport has taught me about resilience and grit and wanting to grow in not just the physical ways, but the mental and emotional aspects of life outside of triathlon that's the most important thing to me. And I always, anytime I get nervous, so I've been told that getting nervous before events um, or podcasts or races or whatever means that it's a sign that you care. The butterflies mean that you care. And so anytime that I get nervous, I go back in my memory banks and I think about running the wrong direction, or I think about like sprint triathlon, Ashley back in 2017 or whenever it was. And it is, it is humbling. It is empowering. And, um, you know, every season, every race, every training session, any interaction with our teammates, I grow, I am humbled. I learn things. I get knocked down on my butt. I come back up and I'm like, okay, shimmy the dirt off and, and figure out what went well and what didn't. Um, but that's always kind of been, even when I played ball sports, that's always kind of been my my MO is, you know, I, I hustle and I, I have a heart for this sport and this community. And that's kind of driven me to, to where I am now with these wonderful people to my right of my screen and then everyone else on our team too. I love that, Ashley. You out hustled people. And, you know, sometimes people have the gift and the talent, right? It's it comes easy. It comes natural. And then you have people who have to work really hard for things. And so I appreciate you having the outhouse. So I think one of the one thing you said in your story that caused me to scratch my head or side of my face a little bit was this dog pond. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, um, it, we all just kind of no, didn't no, talk no, about no. it. It was an unspoken, just kind of like, we don't want to know what we're swimming with, but there's a gator that lives in there still. So you swim around it. And then there's the flying fishes that come out, flying fish, and you'll get like hit by them as you swim. I've done the same race. Gator's still there. So yeah. Okay. That's what we're going to say right there. Okay. It's a little extra motivation to get you going. I will yeah. tell you that. So yeah. And when in doubt, I know people that can prescribe amoxicillin if I need it. You see my face. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Oh, all right. Well, you know, good for everyone who swam in a dog pond. 
I don't think I would be interested in doing that. <laughs> I think the Schuylkill River was enough for me. You know, that's enough, you know. Okay. But anyway, um, I love also what you said about being nervous means you care. I think I mentioned right before we started, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I am nervous before every podcast. Before, well, a lot of things I do, but seriously. So thank you. That means I care about y'all. Thank you. I don't think you tooted your horn enough, Ashley. Yes, you got your ticket to Nice. But let's talk about how you had a badass race because I was cracking. (laughs) Let's talk about that. How you placed in the top 10 in your age group. Let's talk about that. Or is it top 10 overall? No, it's top 10 in my age group. I was seventh, yep. But still, I was tracking. I was like, track Ashley. I will say- she was kicking butt. That was one of the, every race is emotional for me. Um, this, I'm going to start crying like Melissa, but last year to have so much out of my control and my health, like taken from me and just kind of feeling like I was treading water. I mean, I had support, obviously I've talked about that. I had doctors, I had medicine and everything that I needed, but the one thing that one of the many things that I am extremely passionate about is this sport and its people and the opportunity that it presents me to challenge myself and grow. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt like all of that was just sliding out of my hands last year. And I also realized in that time frame how relatively unhealthy my relationship was becoming with triathlon. I was using it as a band-aid. I was using it as a way to hide from the reality that I needed to rest. And that is so much easier said now than lived out in the time that I was just not okay. Um, And so steadily, you know, after I did Ironman Arizona last year and it, it just was not, I spent an hour and a half in the medical tent when I finished. And after Arizona last year, Um, My coach and I had a magnanimous heart to heart. Uh, My doctors and I had uh, numerous conversations and the goal turned from Ironman to just getting healthy again. And I did what I channeled the same energy and tenacity that I put in my training into my remission. And over the course of this season, the trajectory has been upward, which is great. Um, from a performance standpoint, but most importantly, I finally reached remission in my diagnosis, which is to have my quality of life returned. Um, and, you know, I, I went to, to Finland for 70.3 worlds and that was great. And my, my coach was like, I don't know if Arizona is a good idea. Like, let's just cap it at Finland. And I told him, I was like, just trust me on this. Like, I want to go do this race. I feel good my body is healthy, like mentally, emotionally, I'm not in the place that I was last year. And I am pursuing this goal for much healthier reasons with a much healthier body. And so I went into Sunday, just thankful to be there. I wasn't really, I wanted, I had goals, but old Ashley would have been so fixated on those goals and performance and remission. Ashley was just like, yeah, Let's just see what happens. And I smiled the entire time. I high-fived. I hugged people. Um, I did not have the... So towards the end of the bike, um, I had some old injuries start to flare up. 
And I, in my head, could feel myself starting to implode and, and saying, oh my God, I've worked so hard or, oh my God, maybe I should have not done this race. And I immediately said, not today, Satan, like, what can my body do in this moment? I may not be able to run entirely this marathon, but what can I do in terms of walk run? And I ended up running my fastest marathon by 17 minutes. Um, and was it what I trained for? No, but was I able to rechannel old thoughts and old breakdown, uh, mental, emotional aspects that I've had in the past and use it as fuel to move forward? Absolutely. So I cried, uh, <laughs> at the finish line. Um, I was an emotional wreck, uh, later when I got home eating my bucket of French fries, which was very delicious afterwards. Um, but that race was more than Nice. It was more than top 10 in my age group. It was just a celebration of being healthy. I would have been elated if I finished a hundredth, but I felt as good as I did. Um, that day. And I was surrounded by our team and our community and it was just wonderful. So I'm very grateful. I'm very humbled um, to have had such a good day out there. Snap, snap, crackle and pop. Not today, Satan. Do you hear that? <laughs> not on today. Okay. Come through with that. That's a Yes. Not today. We are going to do this. I love it. I love the fact that you trusted your body and congratulations for being in remission. You know, everybody tries for a very different reason. And I'm glad that you've regained a healthy relationship with triathlon because it can be, there are a lot of people who have unhealthy relationships who haven't had the chance to get to that place of health and really take a step back and say, hey, let's not keep putting a mandate on this. Let's really get to the core. And I think that's just in life with everything. Whenever we go through situations, taking a step to reflect on the why, why are we doing this? Is our identity becoming wrapped up in the sport? Like what, what's happening? Am I beginning to change and conform to a different person or a personality type because of this sport? And if so, you really need to reevaluate your why or why you're doing it. And so I appreciate you ripping the bandaid off, taking some steps back, not today, Satan, and getting yourself together. Come through. I love it. Y'all, I can talk to y'all forever. And I feel like there's a good energy and vibe, even though we're all in very different parts of the East Coast. But we're going to wrap this up. I have two other questions that kind of came up for me when you guys were talking. And one is I know Team Zoot has a, I guess it's called like a, a race mantra for the year. Like, is it still racing as one? And if so, can you guys describe or share with me what does racing as one mean to each of you? I have, mine's easy. I, I right away, you know, my, my very first full Ironman last year, Ironman Maryland. Um, I, you know, I was nervous. I was scared. I was all the feelings, which Ashley, I love that perspective. You know, that means it was, it was good to do. Right. Um, Ashley showed up. Ashley lives in Virginia beach hours away. Wasn't racing and it was her birthday, but she knew, you know, she wasn't just obvious. I don't think she was sure for me. I'm not, I'm not that, you know, self-centered, but, um, but she showed up for us and, and, and she spent, you know, a very memorable day, which should have been for her. She spent giving back to us, you know, as a captain, as a friend, as a teammate, you know, 
she was there to hug me in the morning. I'll never forget. I got Vaseline all over her jacket, you know, as I'm putting on my, you know, trying to, trying to prepare for the jellyfish, you know, she was my hug in the morning before I got in the water. She was my hug at the finish line when I was sobbing. Cause I, you know, you, I had just come out of a, 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 a crappy divorce. You know, I was trying to get my life back together. It was just such a, like a monumental, like I did it. Right. And she was there. And that, that to me, that's what that racing is one. That's it for me. Thanks, Ashley. Um, I think for me, racing is one is we have such a large team and we have, you know, we have people that are incredibly fast, like five minute miles. And then there's, you know, some of us that are not running or we run walking, but no matter what level we're on, no matter what races we do, no matter how we approach a race day or anything like that, we are all as one team. And as soon as I see another zooter, whether they're most likely speeding past me, <laughs> um, we, we're, we still cheer each other on. We're just one giant team, no matter what level that we're on or how we race. So that's just how I see it. Um, I feel that racing as one, especially being in a leadership position means that we have a family and a, a space an environment that is um, safe, but also one that holds one another accountable and also promotes growth um, where people, you know, seasoned or not feel empowered. Um, they feel respected um, and they feel supported, whether that's showing up in person or providing encouragement, you know, virtually. Um, when I moved from South Carolina to Virginia, I instantly had some of my now closest friends um, were immediately Zooters uh, when I moved back to Virginia. And so that ability to train, no matter where you transplant, that you have that Ohana, that unit moving as one with you, both on race day and also in the, you know, the days off the race course too. I love that everyone has such a different perspective of what race is one meant. And that's the point. It's like we're racing as one, but what does it mean personally? And my final question is what one piece of advice would you want to share with a beginner? Uh, my, mine is simply have fun, enjoy the experience, you know, to your point, Shonda, you said earlier, you know, it can change your personality. If, if you're not having fun, it's, it's not a, you know, a hobby, which it is for most of us, then what are you doing? you know, smile at people, high five the people. It doesn't mean you have to run any slower, but enjoy yourself and, and have fun and take it all in and, and, you know, really live the experience. I think um, for me, it would just be, don't be afraid to get out and try it. Um, no matter, like, obviously for myself, I get so paranoid about thinking how, you know, what other racers are going to think of how I'm doing. It's like, nobody cares. Everybody's involved in their own race get out there and just try different things. I mean, even if it's jumping into a 70.3 for your first time, why not just get out and try stuff? I mean, that's just, yeah. Mine is um, have grace and also have gratitude. Um, be willing to accept, you know, the things that come with being new, have grace with what your body is able to do. Um, you know, have a vision for what, where it might go. Um, but also have gratitude for the opportunity that, you know, you have um, 
the the health and the ability to swim, bike and run. And that, you know, we get to do this for fun. We get to do it for a hobby. Um, in, in my line of work, uh, I see a lot of little kiddos who aren't so lucky in terms of their health. Sorry, that was my cat. Um, you know, and when I, when I work with those patients, um, you know, I may be grumbling about my Achilles, but I also see kids that will never get the opportunity to do what I do. And it's extremely humbling. I think we get so focused sometimes on different aspects of the sport that we forget just the baseline and gratitude that we should have for the, the, the ability to get to a starting line. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, well, y'all grace and gratitude they probably hear me say that a lot on this podcast so thank you for wrapping that up with a nice little bow and thank you guys for being here this is just three of the three thousand across the united states and zoot has a europe uh zoot europe situation out there in the street so that this is a large team an awesome opportunity to get in with a branded team that has kits if you it's an opportunity to get in, explore with a brand that's been around for over 40 years, but the team for since 2008. So they're established. They know what they're doing. Check them out. Does Team Zoot, I know Zoot has a Instagram. Does Team Zoot have an Instagram as well for the team? Each region has um, its own Instagram page. Um, our Facebook pages are closed for members, but our most all, I would say all of the Instagram accounts for the different regions are um, public. So we're at Team Zoot Mid-Atlantic 2.0. Um, and, and then, of course, every other um region has a handle as well. And those can be found on the Team Zoot website. Um, there, there's a page with all of the regions, all the captains, their contact information, and then our social media outlets. See, organized. They got it there for you on the interwebs. You can just go out there to the website and that's teamzoot.com. All right. Now we get to the fun part of the podcast. Well, I mean, everything's fun, but this is like really, really fun to me, I think. Because I always learn something new about people. And you'd be like, oh, okay, great. So it's rapid fire. Uh, quick questions. Don't think about it too long. I might ask follow-ups. But for the most part, it'd be quick and to the point. All right. Tri-suit. Do you like it separate or one piece? One piece with sleeves. Separate. I have a big butt. I need, a <laughs> I need two different pieces. I'm sorry. All I kept hearing when you said I have a big butt, I like big butt. <laughs> you, okay, see, I go off the rails. All right, Ashley. One piece of sleeves kind of helps compress things, if you know what I mean, up top. Makes you a little bit more aerodynamic, helps the back a little bit, uh, but definitely one piece of sleeves. I love it. I love it. Um, bucket list triathlon race. <laughs> Kona. <laughs> Can that be one? I don't know. Well, <laughs> someday. That's right for you, right? Because yep. you grew up watching the race. So that's good. I'm going to get there someday. I might be 80, but I'm getting there. That's it. <laughs> Keep it on. You're going to get there. We're in agreement with that. Manifesting. Uh, escape from Alcatraz. I've always had the desire to swim from Alcatraz across the bay there. I don't know why. So that would be it. All right. Uh, gut reaction is to say like actual Kona. 
Um, but I had so much fun racing overseas in Finland. That was my first time overseas that I would love to go back. Uh, the culture is just very different um, to uh, Scandinavia or anywhere across the pond and, and have the opportunity to race in a different country. Well, you will in 2024. Hey, niece. Hey. Hey. <laughs> All right. Swim in a wetsuit or without a wetsuit? <laughs> Absolutely with. If, if the option exists, we're with a wetsuit. Full sleeves, full legs, as much neoprene that can help me float as I can get. <laughs> I am team no wetsuit. I hate wearing a wetsuit. I like I, even a swim skin. Eh, no wetsuit at all. No wetsuit. I'll take the advantage of a wetsuit, but being a, I, the water is my happy place. I don't like being restricted. Um, I also don't like dealing with the chafing on the back of my neck uh, when I get in the shower. Hello. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, no wetsuit. Dealing with chafing, period, is a oh no in the shower. You'd be like, what? Oh, anyway, sorry. Ah, oh, flashbacks. Okay. Um, gels or real food as race nutrition? Oh, good one. I'm switching it up this year. I used to be all gel and I'm, I'm going to more actual nutrition. The gels weren't, wasn't cutting it for me. So finally to figure it out, that's what was happening. It's food, real food. I do real food. I can't do gels. Um, so I switched up with some bars and things like that, but yeah. And even salty potatoes on the bike. I, I need real food. Food. Yeah. Um, as part of my GI disease and, and remission, uh, I had to kind of change a lot of aspects of my nutrition to figure out what my tummy would remain happy with and not revolt on me in the middle of a race. Uh, and it turned out that a lot of the synthetic things um, were no bueno for my belly. So I've transitioned to, um, I do little mini Lara bars on the bike. I do some chews, um, Scratch Labs uh, makes a chew that my tummy seems to tolerate very well, but I'm real food, potato chips, pretzels, um, salty things, um, all the way. Favorite music artist? Foo Fighters, easy. <laughs> I am an EDM Calvin Harris kind of person. I need that kind of, I need that beat to keep me going. Otherwise I space out. I don't know what's going on then. See ya. She's kind of awkward. I'm kind of awkward. Her music's dope. The remixes are pretty dope. Um, Unstoppable is my usual pre-race morning jam, among other like really angry, screaming music. Um, but I'm going to go with Sia. Love all of them. Do you have any race day superstitions? Um, I don't know about superstitions. The only thing I do on a race morning that I, I, I eat breakfast, which I don't do. It's a terrible habit. But I don't eat breakfast most mornings. And for some reason before race, I have to have a muffin. So that's the only thing that I do different on a race morning. Otherwise, I think because if something went wrong, the whole day I'd be so focused that I didn't do it the superstition, you know. So I try, I try really hard not to, not to do them. Uh so for me, part of that comes with my anxiety is I have to go back and check my bike at least three times by like literally even touching to make sure my bike didn't move. Um, even though I know it didn't, um, if I don't do that, I am the entire time for the swim. I'm just worried that my bike somehow, uh, left and decided to ride away. So I always take like a meditation moment or like a prayer moment. So my faith is super important to me. So I always take a moment, to talk to God, uh, make sure that bike is good. I'm not going to get flats hopefully. And that he keeps me safe. Um, so that, and then also making sure I have a really good bathroom break, uh, at the beginning of the race, if tummy is not like fully taken care of, 
I have bad feelings about the rest of the day. So prayer and pooping. But I am because I said earlier, we have so much in common and I never really realized the, the peace, the PP prayer and pooping. Oh, yeah. Google face. That is. Yeah. I'm here for it. Prayer. And oh my gosh. I never thought about that. Until That's okay. This is, oh, sorry. We have more in common than we think, actually, I tell you. All right. Favorite or dream training partner, historical or alive? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I'm going to go with Paula Newby Frazier. I'm going to go old school. I'd love to, I'd love to spend some days in the, in the uh, original, original training programs. I honestly have no idea. Um, no, seriously, I, I can't really think of anybody. I mean, if I had to go back and do training again, honestly, I'd love my, just to go back and swim with my old swim coaches and try to have them like help me get back into swimming again. I mean, that's, but as far as like athletes, though, I, I would be too nervous to train with anybody, to be honest with you. Jess and Melissa probably know who I'm going to say, and they're probably going to laugh as soon as I do say it, but, uh, Jan Frodeno, whoo! <laughs> For obvious reasons, and then also just all the things that he has and continues to do in terms of giving back to the sport from, you know, uh, different initiatives that he's a part of, and then just, you know, his whole story um, is not bad on the eyes either. Um, Jess and Melissa know that I'm a big Yon fan, um, so I'm gonna, I'm going to go with the GOAT. I was going to ask, I was like, so what are those obvious reasons? Because maybe everyone doesn't know who Jan is. So we need to spell it out for this audience because they may not know who the goat Jan is. I guess I got to take that. Uh, German professional. Yes. German professional triathlete, Olympian, Kona winner, 70.3 world championship winner, um, just officially retired, um, had his victory lap in Nice this year. Um, Obviously, just extremely talented, uh, very tall, very lean, uh, very a- attractive uh, professional triathlete, also very married. Um, but uh, just a- an incredible human being who has also come back from significant injury uh, in the last couple of years. Um, so, so an incredible human being. Yes, he is very married. However, someone wrote in the group chat, Hashtag marry me, Jan. I just thought that was so funny. That is a very reoccurring theme in some of my Instagram stories, especially uh, during these uh, numerous screenshots and hashtag marry me, Jan, uh, uh, you know, uh, verbiage uh, was thrown out there. Um, but there's just so many good folks within the sport uh, to to um, learn from and, and just great, you know, people to look up to. Um, but yeah. he is, he's definitely one. I got a chance to meet him this year at, uh, oh. what? Get out! oh, I'm not on mute. Whoops. Girl, spell the, spill the tea. How was it? Be <laughs> flashing over here. That okay, shriek of Ashley, like, oh right. It was really, really amazing because you think even though triathlon is a growing sport we do have quote-unquote celebrities within the sport and so you never know how people are going to be when you approach them and both times when I met him 
it was just like, oh, you're actually cool. Like you are like, you're good people. Like I could see myself being friends with you if, you know, outside of like this thing. And he was just so cool. And it was, he's very tall. Like I'm a tall person and you're just like, Hey, and to your point, he's very easy on the eyes. Yes, he is married, but you know, these are things that still we be like, yeah, you know, he's attractive and he's tall. And, um, there was this funny moment. Um, I was doing something and my friend wanted a picture with him and he was like, you're that fly girl. And I was like, excuse me, fly. And they caught it on camera. And I was like, yes, but I have not posted it anywhere. I'm just like waiting for the perfect moment, but I'm telling you guys now, well now telling the audience, but it was really, really cool. Um, Cause I am fly, right? You know, like I am kind of cool. And for him to recognize that and just be so fun and willing to just share and talk and be humane with a group of us, it was just really cool. So he was wonderful. And I, I hope you get the opportunity to meet him. And I'm just going to put it there. Would love to have him come on the Trial Beginners Luck podcast. Cause why not have the GOAT come on TBLA? So there we go. Wait a minute. We are all off track. This whole podcast today has been all off the rails, but I'm here for it. The last question that I have for you all is do you pee on the bike or do you get off and take a proper pee break? Neither. I've never once had to stop to pee in, in, in any of my races. And I would love to be able to do it. My friends just taught me it was one of our topics of conversation and traveling to Finland this past year was everyone sharing their technique that made the time go by. Uh, gotta try it. I've never done it. I would so never you've be never had to pee even in your Ironman races. No. And if any coach ever heard that, they're going to tell me I'm not hydrating enough. So, so yeah, it's, uh, never. Mm -mm. Nice. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> Melissa. I'm the same way. I cannot go when I'm on the bike. Like I, and I'm, I'm mentally preparing myself and I know I'm going to probably pee myself. Can't go. I'll try. I'll even try. Can't go. So before we go to Ashley, so Jess and Melissa, do you pee in your wetsuit? Is that more comfortable for you? Yeah. Yeah. I can't even do that. I think once, <laughs> once the, I, I, do I have to go when I'm standing up? Absolutely. And I don't feel it again until <laughs> I would love to say 12 hours later, but 13 some hours later <laughs> when I finish now, um, I, I know the technique. I know what I'm supposed to do. It just, just never, never happened. <laughs> All right. One day, Ashley. Can't pee on my bike. I don't know what's wrong. I just, I mean, I've certainly tried. Um, and then for whatever reason, I get off the bike and I guess adrenaline kicks in. It's like, nope, we're not peeing today. We're running. Um, but I can and do historically pee in my wetsuit. Um, you know, when you're standing up there waiting to hop in and you see all the little wet spots like on the concrete, you know, that's not water. Um, but it's just, I mean, especially with the cold races, I mean, it keeps you warm. Um, but in terms of like peeing on the bike, can't do it. Mm -mm. Nope. Well, Team Zoot, everybody in the building, whenever you try Beginner's Luck, you truly always win. This has been good to my soul, and I hope that it's been good to you. Hey, listen, I don't think I've really done this call to action enough. If you want to view this, the podcast is on YouTube, so you'll be able to view it, but you can also hear it. And why not listen to it in both places? Because we all cute, eh? And it's a good view, right? So. Go to YouTube, subscribe to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, 
which is out there. And then subscribe on your favorite platform. We need your support. Obviously, you'll hear it in the end. But I want to see these stories grow and I want to continue to grow with you. So we would love your support. All right. My name is Mashonda and I am out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.